Hi again, everybody, moms and dads, boys and girls. Welcome to the chatter. This is episode number 98, and in the house we've got the greater and the lesser. Brad Miller, good to see you. Hello. And Brad Markham. Good to see you. Good to see you. We've got a guest, Stephen Cox, and we're going to uh, get right close to Stephen right after we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that, that never was it known, that, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Greater, we, uh, I met this gentleman, Stephen Cox, over in Beloit in 2022, and you've been... Yep, that's you, exactly where I met him. You, so you've been hounding was, him ever since. He was working a booth there for LifeSite News, and actually Brad Miller and I stopped by and said hi, and uh, we were doing these first Fridays at St. Augustine's, and he sounded interested in speaking at one, so we've invited him, and he's coming on October 6th. And Which is first Friday. First Friday. At St. Augustine University Parish in uh, University of Wisconsin, Plantville. Yep. Mass at 5 p.m. Well, confession at 4.30, mass at 5 p.m., dinner at 6, and then Stephen will speak after that. So so the man's name is Stephen Cox. We're going to ask him what's his connection to LifeSite, but uh, let's start out. Stephen, give us some background. Who are you really? What were you before? What did you do, and what did you think? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, great to finally be on the show, and I'm very excited for um, coming down to uh, to talk. And uh, yeah, as as you said, I, I've, I'm at LifeSite News. I've been a journalist here for the past six years. Uh, I came to LifeSite um, uh, in my early 30s, um, and I had been fairly involved in uh, conservative, Catholic, uh, political writing and activism for. Uh, a while before that, I contributed to CatholicVote.org. Um, in my early 20s, when I was in grad school, I was uh, attending at Loyola Chicago, uh, where I interned at the Archdiocese there under uh, Cardinal uh, George at the time. And uh, so I, I grew up in West Michigan. I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan originally. Uh, returned here after uh, grad school to teach at several community colleges uh, in the area and uh, did that for about five years, again, before before getting into LifeSite, and uh, have always been involved in um, these sorts of issues, and throughout that time, um, fell away from the faith in college, came back to it, obviously, when I was working at the Archdiocese, and um, uh, through, through most of it, uh, St. Alphonse has played an integral role in uh, really embracing my faith. Uh, now I attend the, the Latin Mass, and he uh, just really changed my life in my late 20s and put it into, into overdrive, if you will. And so um, it's been a long journey, uh, but uh, I'm very fortunate to be. I always wonder, St. Alphonsus, I think of the Fonz. <laughs> why why St. Alphonsus, uh, Stephen? That's a great question. I think um, I, I would ask him that. You know, I, I the, you know, the background I tell is, um, you know, when I was in my late 20s, I had come back to my faith pretty well, 
uh, I was talking with a, a friend of mine from college. We were living together, uh, and he had a stack of books in his living room just one night, and I happened to see them. I said, hey, what's, what are those? I haven't seen those before. And uh, he uh, said, you know, those are St. Alphonsus books. And I, I said, you know, I, I really need to improve my spiritual life. And um, I just said, hey, what the heck? Why, why not? Even though, you know, these are, these are books that are four or 500 pages thick. I said, mm-hmm. well, I got time. Yeah. Uh, why not? And so um, that first step, that was now over 10 years ago, uh, led to uh, just devouring everything uh, this saint has written. And uh, throughout the years, I just sort of felt an obligation to, uh, well, to one, take note on what I was reading and understanding and the impact it was having on my own spiritual life uh, and growing in faith. And I said, you know, other people need to hear this. And uh, so throughout the years, I've given a number of talks at um, uh, parishes and for the diocese that I'm at. I gave a talk on St. Alphonsus. That's about six years ago now. Um, and just so throughout all of that, it's been a constant, can I do something more with this? And others were encouraging as well. And so um, obviously in the industry that I'm in as a journalist, you're writing all day. So six, seven o'clock comes around. You don't want to write anymore. Uh, but, you know, it's the labor of love these last two years to really buckle down and, and finalize it. And, um, and that's really why, to, to let those who I think could use the the spiritual insights of a doctor of the church now that's what he is um to really help them get back to the faith and for those who have it to to enhance it Uh, so that's really why i wanted to 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 give this great gift back to him uh who helped me so much in my own life so let's what's the name of the book stephen what do you call it saint alphonsus for the 21st century a handbook for holiness and uh, it wasn't it wasn't always actually that title at one point i wanted to name it my life with saint alphonsus and just leave it at that as a sort of uh, memoir of sorts, but I kind of didn't pass the, the flying test with some friends of mine, so we, 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 we did it again, and um, I think the one that we have now is, is pretty good. So how do you condense millions of words into an easy handbook for any layperson to pick up and read? It's a great question. Um, well, one, it's a lot of prayer, um, understanding, you know, what is the most important thing here in this particular book that St. Alphonsus wrote versus that one. Um, and what is it, really for me, it was about what did I take away from him the most. Um, I, probably like a lot of you, um, am a bibliophile. I love and to buy books and perhaps sometimes to leave them sitting around too much. Um, but uh, when I was reading through his, 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 his many documents, um, uh, pamphlets, books, treatises, um, the things that stood out to me most, um, uh, really what, what changed my perspective. Um, and, and, and those are the ones that I thought were worth highlighting. Um, because when you read the basics in spirituality, um, on prayer, on, on confession, um, we know what the basics of our faith uh, really are. But St. Alphonsus takes that to another level by, again, applying um, his own insights. I mean, he himself was a layman until he was 27. Um, he was a lawyer. Um, his father tried to arrange for him to be married on more than two occasions. Uh, later in life, he was a bishop. So, so he had a lot of experiences um, that really penetrate his writings. And I think... Um, um, distilling what he had uh, said in the most profound manner, um, I don't think was too difficult. It's, it's quite easy to pick out what, 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 what hits you the most when you read him. It, and many times it, it's a lot of things, 
But um, at the end of the day, I said, well, what can people learn from St. Alphonsus specifically that they won't really get anywhere else? And I included that in this book. Well, I've read The Glories of Mary. Um, and what I found interesting about his writing is that it seemed that he, he like, uncovered went under every rock you found everything any detail you could find and i found that about the great saints they're good summarizers of the faith but there was i mean there's nothing feels like he missed nothing when talking about mary well there's a reason i mean the book is over 600 pages right i mean it's a a profound work and just to to clarify he he had a team uh, of individuals helping him it wasn't just him sitting down uh, and writing these these things out, he um, had had uh, some priests with him, uh, and uh, he, again he didn't start writing until he was in his late forties. Uh, he huh. died when he was ninety one, of course. Wow. But, uh, yeah, his book on Mary is is very extensive. Goes through her immaculate uh, conception, uh, uh, defends that, uh, talks about her role with priests, and uh, it's very very in depth as as you mentioned for sure. And it's one of my favorites of his because. Uh, as actually he mentions in his writings, he says, priests especially uh, should not go a single day without uh, one praying the rosary, but but having some sort of um, uh, reading on, on Mary to stay close to her. Stephen, I'm wondering if, um, for anyone who's maybe not familiar with St. Alphonsus, if you can kind of start from the top with his life, where he lived, uh, the time period, maybe kind of give just a brief overview for those who maybe aren't very familiar with him. Yeah, for sure. So he was born in, in 19, uh, 16, rather, uh, 1696, uh, near Naples. Um, he had he was the oldest child, oldest son, of uh, Don Joseph Liguori and uh, Anna Catherine Cavalieri, uh, who was Spanish. And um, his father was captain of, of the Royal Navy, very high-ranking position, very prominent individual. And he ran his household very much like he ran uh, his ships uh, in a very... Um, rigorous manner and uh, sometimes in a perhaps uh, overzealous manner. Uh, St. Alphonsus again was the, was the oldest of eight children. Uh, he had two brothers who also joined religious life, two sisters who did as well. But he himself was closest actually with his youngest brother whose name was Hercules <laughs> uh, of all names interestingly enough. Um, he uh, again just thinking about this timeline he, he died in 1790 uh, uh, 17, 17, in the late 1700s, he was alive during the the founding of the United States. So he was alive when George Washington, uh, Benjamin Franklin, etc., were um, writing the Declaration, the Constitution. So sort of an interesting fact there. Um, but he had um, grown up in, in in a very prestigious home. He obtained civil and canon law degrees uh, when he was just 16. His father um, made sure he was well educated and wanted to lay out a path for his eldest son that would lead to um, accolades and prestige, and, and that was what happened. Um, he, he did, obviously, uh, during his life, take very seriously the Catholic faith, thanks to his mother especially. Um, and uh, he did belong to various uh, groups for laity. Uh, he did perform many acts of charity. He had a special care when he was a layman for, for the sick. And he... Again, uh, was very successful lawyer. Uh, it's believed he did not lose a single case until the famous uh, court case that he lost when he was 27 that eventually led him into and to decide for uh, the priesthood. But uh, in, in a short summary of his youth, um, uh, he, he also enjoyed music. He was a master harpsichordist, so his father instilled in him uh, a desire for music. And interestingly enough, he used that talent and love 
later in life, he um, composed over 50 hymns and songs. He would sing during the missions that he gave, as well as when he gave retreats to to nuns. Um, so, so he was very well-rounded. He he was he painted. Um, he he wore glasses. He loved to go to the the theater and listen to the music there, he, where he would take off his glasses actually and just close his eyes and listen to the music itself. Um, so he was uh, very well-rounded, uh, arguably a genius with with all the skills that he had, and uh, eventually he gave it all back to God um, by becoming a priest. Huh. What was the famous case he lost that you just referred to? I'm I'm not familiar, Stephen. Yeah, so there was, it's actually really fascinating. Um, there was a court case involving the Grand Duke uh, of Tuscany over a, a large land grant that was dating back. Um, the, the court decision was handed down was in the 1720s, but the issue had been sort of ping-ponging back in the courts um, for, for 100 years before then. And it was over a land uh, that was valued at over 600,000 ducats. Now, um, I'm not up to date on the translation of, of what that's in, in modern times, but it's, from what I understand, multi-millions of dollars of, of, of land. And so what happened um, is St. Alphonsus uh, prepared his case, uh, said uh, his client um, had the right to this, and his opponents, uh, members of the Medici family, we all, of course, remember the Medici family from, from history, uh, yes, uh, were yes. arguing against him. And uh, within seconds, it's, it's believed, uh, after the, the both sides presented their case, the judge sided against St. Alphonsus, saying, no, this, the, you, you, this, you've, you've mis- made a mistake here. But the issue is, so, so that's the historical sort of um, common understanding that St. Alphonsus made a mistake. He was negligent in preparations, etc. But there is an actual um, autobiography of him that was written by Father Frederick Jones, um, in the 1990s, he's passed on now, uh, but Father Jones makes the argument, and I think it's quite compelling, that there was actually bribery in this case. No. The judge was... The Medicines um, had bribery? <laughs> no, <it's not. laughs> yeah, believe it or not. Oh. I mean, who, who, could, who could fathom? But, uh, so a judge was, was, was uh, believed to have been bribed with a pair of dancing bears. Uh, their high-ranking <laughs> cardinal was even involved. And so... Wait, wait. Um, when Saint Alphonsus what is a dancing sort of bear? Hold on a second. What is a dancing bear? <laughs> like a little a pair, a pair of dancing bears. Let's not ch- short them out here. Yeah, I mean, what is it? Literally dancing bears? I mean, is that? I guess they were trained in some sort of uh, oh, performing wow. arts, and um, it was Bribed with a, dancing a, a bears. Very, you, know, you can't uh, make this stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Tuscany. <laughs> All right, you got off. You got Stephen off track. Pair of dancing <laughs> bears, but I heard cardinal in there. What was the what was the linchpin there, Stephen? Yeah, so there was there was perhaps a high-ranking cardinal who actually did that. And uh, when Saint Alphonsus learned of this, he said, "World, I know thee now. Of course, you shall never see me again." And later that year, um, he went to uh, one of his most favorite places to go. Um, it was a hospital nearby, and it was at the hospital where he said he heard the voice, leave the world behind and give thyself to me. And wow. Alphonsus said, Lord, I've resisted you too long. I Do with me what thou will. And he went to the Church of Our Lady of Ransom, took out his sword, which is a sign of his uh, noble patronage as a member of the uh, elite of, 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 of Naples. And he laid it on the altar of Mary and saying, I will become a priest uh, for you. So it's a very fascinating turn of events. I think it shows just how... How um, he uh, came to realize all his vanity, all his vanity, and and it was a very harsh thing. It took him 
a while to kind of get over that, but he realized what, why God sent that, that to him. You know, there's some things you just cannot unsee, Stephen, and thinking that St. Alphonsus in his late career became a bishop, I'm thinking that his, his uh, placard, his motto, what do they call that, the, uh, the design of the bishop. I see two dancing bears on, <laughs> on this bishop's the crest. Uh, the crest, the crest yeah. the bishop's crest. They're doing that. Our guest is Stephen Cox. And um, the book is St. Alphonsus for the 21st Century, a handbook for holiness. Um, you've got a byline on LifeSite News, I think, when I'm there. Is that, is that true, or am I just giving you more credit, Stephen? I see some oh, articles. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes. I've been with LifeSite uh, writing for, for over six years now, and uh, I think, gosh, I'm looking at it myself. I'm, I'm trying to fi- see how many I have, P- potentially hundreds of articles there. I can't remember how many, but it's a true blessing. I've, I've been uh, in Rome for, for things regarding LifeSite. I've been to um, political conferences. Uh, it's been a really great, 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 great place to live, uh, live uh, work, live and work and, and um, do the work of God, I think, is what we're doing, really. Well, we're coming up on the end of the first segment. We're going to take a break here in a minute, Stephen. We're going to come back, talk more about the book, who the publisher is, how the people can get a hold of it. Some more stories uh, out of the book, and, and uh, I think we want to talk about how uh, this saint is for the common man in the 21st century. We'll be right back with more of Stephen Cox on the chatter. This is the 90. What did I say? 98th episode. 98. Believe it or not. Right after these announcements. We're back. We're in the studios of FM 98.3 KCRD, and you hear us forever on the KCRD mobile app. Just download keyword KCRD. Stephen Cox is our our uh, guest. Brad Markham, thanks for lining Stephen up here. Although I got to say, you got to get a giddy up here. You saw him last June of 2020, and only yeah. took you 14 well, months you to guys, get him over here. You're just so busy. <laughs> I can't get you know getting people in the. Give us that date again. We're coming up to Platteville. Yeah, at St. Augustine's University Parish in Platteville on October 6th. It's a Friday. We'll do Mass at 5 p.m., dinner at 6, and the talk will be at 6.30. We like to feed the kids so they're not uh, quite, anxious. Quite the rambunctious. Yeah, You're so. going to bring a box of books with you, Stephen, that people can uh, get a handle on this? Yeah, along with my dancing bears, I think I'll. I'll <laughs> You'll sign them for people too, right? If they want to come I see can. you, can the bears of the books. Yeah. <laughs> Before we go too far, we got to remember the sponsor. Yeah, the sponsor for the chatter is uh, Hotworks over on Holiday Drive. That's Holiday Drive with two L's. That's only in Dubuque because somebody drank the river water. Evidently. <laughs> but yeah, Hotworks on Holiday Drive. They're very generous sponsors. Go on over and say hi to Melissa and uh, thank them for sponsoring the chatter so i'm just you know when i think of saint alphonsus i've got a couple of his books over on the shelf i'm not quite the bibliophile that you uh alluded to earlier Stephen, but uh, we do have a bookworm sitting right across the table from us lesser here this is, we sure do do you ever count how many you've got <laughs> no i'm i'm in the same book as Stephen, where it's uh i mean 
It's you not buy, a support group. You, you can be buy more here. than you can read, and and then you have little kids that go through your library and mix them all up, so you don't know what what you were reading and what you weren't. So you just pull stuff off the shelf randomly and get in trouble by your wife for spending too much money on books. And Are you that way too, Stephen? Do you uh, collect? Well, I'm a single man, so I I can uh, maybe get to more books and keep mine in better shape. <laughs> no kids. So. <laughs> I came to know. Uh, we can loan them some beyond the books <laughs> on my shelf, and I and I have to admit, not going cover to cover, but rather going to the table of contents, and I cherry pick the the Fonz Saint Alphonsus. But there's a priest I like to follow. Um, Rayla, Father Rayla. Um, oh, what's, he's an East Coast guy. Father he's, Isaac. Yeah. I, Father Isaac. Isaac Father Isaac Reliac. Thank you, guys. And I know um, he, he often quotes St. Alphonsus. And when you say for the 21st century in your book, Stephen, I, I get the impression that, that uh, St. Alphonsus is a pretty no-nonsense guy. Tells it like it is. Uh, by way of Father Isaac, uh, I mean he quotes Saint Alphonsus extensively. How how do you make that connection to the 21st century generation, Stephen? Yeah. Well, I think um, one of his biggest messages for our time is um, well, there's two I think that people will will probably get the most out of this book because that that's what hit me the most. Even though I grew up going to to Catholic grade school, high school, and college, I went throughout the whole system, and I still didn't have some of these these things instilled in me. One is what Saint Alphonse says about the priesthood, and he he gives two mm -hmm. really profound insights that I think are are really helpful, and it gives I think people in this time and when we hear so much about um, uh, the priesthood of the laity. Uh, that clericalism is just rampant everywhere, mm -hmm. and that the church is an egalitarian institution. But um, in fact, Saint Alphonsus says the priest gives greater honor to God than the angels and the saints. Wow! As well as Mary, as well as Mary, because they their worship cannot be of infinite value. And he's referring here to the sacrifice of the mass. And he also says in relation to that, the power of the priest surpasses that of Mary because Mary cannot absolve sins. Wow. And you know, when I think of that, yeah, wow, I, I, that really puts the priesthood, the office of the priesthood in a different perspective. And I think, you know, that's really important in these times to understand the, the beauty of, uh, of how God works through imperfect vessels, but also how we should have a greater respect for and understanding of the priesthood itself. It's not a small thing. Uh, it's not just something. Oh, Father Joe over there. He, you know, no. Father Father Joe is greater in the eyes of God. The, the things that he does than than the angels. There are things that he possesses that can't be done by anybody else. Um, and I think that's enormously relevant in this time when I think we see priests walking around, unfortunately, um, in in shorts and t-shirts, uh, not praying their breviaries at mass, offering irreverent masses. Um, they need to really reacquaint themselves, I think, with the teachings of St. Alphonsus, especially on, I mean, St. Alphonsus says you have to wear, if you're the priest, wearing a cassock all the time. He, he, he says that. Um, and he says those who rule in God's church without being called or who have struggles with impurity, uh, they are going to have a rude awakening on Judgment Day. Um, and I think, unfortunately, so many, it's, it's the case that um, 
uh, priests don't understand the unique roles they have. So that's you know point one. Um, point two is I think what what he did for me. I'll tell I'll tell a quick story. Um, when I read his writings on silence and prayer, and we can talk about those more in a second. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I maybe like a lot of you guys. When I drove around uh, just in town in my twenties, I was uh, again I was teaching at several schools and. Um, do it going to night class and, and, and you know I'd have my students and uh, coming home from, from, from class I'd turn on some song or some rock music and you know just kind of zone out like okay the day's over but St. Alphonsus his writings on prayer and silence I it just occurred to me why am I polluting my mind with, with this noise with this distraction and eventually I came to understand it's the silence that allows God to speak with us we can't be friends with someone if we don't talk to them, and if we're we're continually blocking God out of our lives with, with with songs or television or sports or, in our day and age, cell phones and screens, um, I mean, I just saw a British study the other day that said people are 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 on average staring at their screens 34 years out of their life in total time. Oh my! <laughs> and so, you know, we live in an interconnected age uh, where silence is hard to come by. When, when when the priesthood is under attack. I think those are the two kind of biggest things. There's there's others as well, of course. There's a seven-chapter book. It's not just those two topics. But those, I think, really kind of will be good takeaways for, for priests who read as well as laity who are who, who are interested in so does, improving their spiritual life. Does St. Alphonsus, the Fons, give... Um, I'm going <laughs> to be Fons. thinking that way now. <laughs> yeah. Does he give practical advice for finding silence, or does he say just do it because... I think it really, to your point on the screens, people, you know, the, it's the dopamine dump. They're addicted to these things. And I'm, I'm including myself on that, you know, that, um, so I'm just curious how he, if he gives, because pre- one thing I've no, I haven't read a lot of his work, but he, he really is sort of detailed in living the moral life. Um, so I'm curious if there's any practical advice, maybe in your book, even that, um, teaches people how to yes. find silence. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, he he does differentiate between silence, as in the absence of noise, and and having solitude. Uh, and you can have, he says, solitude of the heart. In other words, you, your focus and your, your your spiritual life can be focused on God, even if you are amid the busyness of life, kids, family, etc. Um, but he does recommend, um, in in a chapter on prayer, that. Uh, we sh- we need to shut out all earthly attachments and inclinations. He says uh, the soul who wants to speak with God needs to retire to a solitary place and to not converse with creatures but speak with God. And so, um, one way he does su- one thing he does suggest is to spend uh, time at adoration chapels um, and as often as you can. He says in Bingo. in the adoration chapel in front of the Eucharist, you will get more out of a half hour uh, of st- just sitting there than 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 reading books uh, all sorts of things it's and our lord just sit in silence and i think I, just, I take that and apply that that's very understandable that when he he also writes about other things too about parenting he says parents don't let your children be exposed to to impure books again he's writing for his time he can't write about he doesn't predict you know cell phones iPhones and tablets and things mm-hmm. but it's, it's clearly mm-hmm. obvious that if that's what he's saying at that time you know put these screens away seems to me to be a very very practical thing that, that he would recommend 
um, and and really spend. He says, spend half an hour, the first thing you do in the morning, in, in conversation with God, uh, if possible. Find time out of your day. If it's if it's a drive to work, um, like like his teachings help me. That's your silence. And if that's all you can get as a father of five or six, be grateful for it, um, because you have to take care of the spiritual and temporal needs of your children. So. Um, there, there's more to it than that, but um, I think that's a sort of condensed version. I, I'm thinking of that report pops up uh, once a week, Miller, Lesser. <laughs> the iPhone usage report? The, the iPhone usage screen report. Time. Your screen time was up this week. It was down last week. It was. It was. Uh, do you think it'll get there with uh, uh, Peter and Paul and James and John, and, and you're at the pearly gates, and they'll uh, say, well, here's your here's your... Eucharistic adoration time for the last 75 years. Ouch. <laughs> what do you think of that? Mm-hmm. You know, I was reminded of um, Bishop Strickland, obviously, has been in the news quite a bit lately. I was reminded as you were talking about that how they said he spends, is it an hour or two every morning? Four to five the day hours starts? a day. Four, four to five hours a day. Four to five probably. hours a day. That's beautiful. Stephen, hit the rewind button for me. You opened this second segment talking about the priesthood of the laity and the and the priesthood of the ordained, and you talked about wearing cast. You know, there seems to be a, um, as I was listening to that, go back on your comments. Have we really blurred the lines and created our own confusion with regard to the priesthood here? I, I don't mean to be critical, but you said it unambiguously. You need to dress like a priest. You need to pray like a priest. And... You who are not priests, you're the priest of the baptized, not of the ordained. Uh, you you need to support that. To go deeper on that, would you, Stephen? Yeah. So I'll I'll um, provide a quote here from from Saint Alphonsus to kind of to go into that if I can uh, really quickly find that. So here here's what it is. Here's here's Saint Alphonsus. The good morals and salvation of the people depend on good pastors. If there is a good priest in charge of the parish, you will see devotion flourishing and people frequenting the sacraments and honoring the practice of mental prayer. Hence the proverb, like pastor, like parish. And so it, it, the church is built in a hierarchical structure. It's built that we, as laity, obey our priests, that the priests obey the bishops, and the bishops obey the pope. That it's built like that. God has given us a hierarchical institution. And when we have, as we see in the church today, um, 39% of Catholics attending Mass on a weekly basis. That's according to a 2018 uh, Gallup study. Why well, I didn't know it was um, that high. When we have one in four Catholics, when we have, yeah, tw- when we have 20, you know, one in four Catholics living in the United States who've had a divorce, um, four in ten who've been cohabitating with, with someone of the opposite sex at, at some point in their life, um, 36% don't believe it's a sin to use birth control. Um, uh, 66%, excuse me. Um, when we see that happening downstream, and, and you know, based on what St. Alphonsus is arguing here, is that it's the priests who, who ultimately are um, setting the tone. You know, it's like a ben- general manager of a baseball team. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he doesn't know what he's doing, uh, the right fielder is going to be in the wrong position, and the other team's going to get a base hit. So uh, there's uh, an issue here when our priests aren't giving good direction. When they're not, when they themselves, again, it's not just them. They ha- they they need good bishops, um, and those are hard to come by, it seems, in the church today. And so um, what's happened is an emasculation of the laity 
uh, and, a, and, a, and a diminution of the, the, the office of the priesthood and uh, the um, uh, attacks, I would say, almost on the hierarchical nature of the church are having really rotten fruits, in my opinion. And I think St. Alphonsus, based on what he's saying about you know, how priests should behave, um, here's another quote, priests should disregard their conveniences, interests, and amusements. Um, he belongs not to himself, but to God, and should attend to only the interests of God. He said the priest should, quote, be without affectation, severity, fastidiousness, and should always wear the cassock. He should flee from worldly conversations, be edifying in church, and during the praying of the office. He says prayers of uh, games of amusement, rather, are but little suited to a minister of God. So how many religious today are, are, aren't doing any of that? And I, I, I hate to say it's probably higher than we want to admit. Um, and that's going to have a downstream effect on the laity. So I think that's really the issue here. I wonder if they're teaching this in seminary, in most seminaries. And they almost, it seems like priests don't know what power they have. No, I, I, it's an interesting question that you pose. Uh, and we might ask some priest ordained in, at any stage in their career, but has, has the Fonz been preached in any seminaries that you're aware of, Stephen? Well, he is supposed to be the, the patron saint of moral, moral theologians and confessors. Uh, the, I don't see his, his um, teachings being extensively taught, other than, as you mentioned, Father Relia and uh, some other uh, traditional Latin mass priests that I personally know. But uh, I, again, this is why I think uh, this book will really help uh, priests especially. Um, it's not just written for the priest or laity, but for both. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. it's really, I think, going to be a big, a big reminder and i think you know one thing earlier you, you asked why saint alphonsus i suppose you know, when he was in naples um he did have desires to go to china there, there was a missionary um a group in 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 the area that was doing work in china and he always had these desires to to go abroad and to to preach missions and and to really reach those people who needed it most but he stayed in naples and what he did is he dedicated himself to as the Redemptorists are now known for, the most abandoned souls and those who need, who were living in the countryside, who, who were forgotten by the priests at the time because it was just too much work. They weren't, you know, renowned individuals out in that countryside. But St. Alphonsus said, no, those poor souls, those most abandoned souls need the truth. And so I think he wants, God's going to use him in this time to come back to those laity who have been abandoned by our, 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 our shepherds who aren't getting the fullness of the, the faith and the traditions that we have. And so I think, I think there's a lot of parallels there between his life, his mission, missionary efforts, and, and what we're seeing in the church today. As I was listening to what uh, St. Alphonsus is prescribing for priests in terms of uh, prayer and silence and that he belongs to God, um, what what do you think Saint Alphonsus? What his view might be on the uh, modernist point of view of married clergy? Oh, I <laughs> well, let me say he he in a private letter he wrote um, to his uh, fellow redemptorists. He he actually did say at the time he wished that um, pious men, pious priests, would be appointed to um, ordinaries to 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 to, to the bishopric. And that he lamented, in fact, 
that the state in the, of the church in his time was one of relaxation and confusion. Now, that's the, that's the 1700s. We tend to huh. think uh, the church was pretty good back then, you know. They, they had most mm, of the time, right? right? They, they weren't having these modernist issues or questions about Mary clergy at all. And so I think if that's his understanding of, you know, that time, I, I don't even want to fathom what he would <laughs> have to say about um, the theories that are being pushed now with married clergy or communion for divorce and remarried or any number of the, 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 the changes that are happening now. So, Stephen, um, we're going to hold you over of, here on the break. We're running out of time on segment number two. Let's, let's pick up on a couple of those thoughts. And in uh, segment number three, we'll be right back after these announcements on FM 98.3 KCRD and the KCRD mobile app. We are back. You are with Stephen Cox of Life Site News. He's got a new book out. It's called, uh, I just changed the paper here. I can't see it. It's the St. Alphonsus, the, the uh, saint for the 21st century. It's a handbook to holiness. And um, we have to thank our sponsors. You bet. We've got to thank uh, Hotworks over on Holiday Drive for being uh, the chatter sponsors. Uh, they've been fantastic. Yeah. Holiday Drive, two L's. Only holiday drive. You don't have one out in Grand Rapids with two L's, do you, Stephen? No, we know how to spell. No. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't. They don't drink river water there, apparently. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you, just getting back on to St. Alphonsus, uh, again, him being you know, the, the doctor of moral theologians, so he's very practical and really gets down into the details of uh, basically si- almost situational ethics. I'm curious what kind of advice he offers to parents. Yeah, it's a great question. There, I do include a part of the book for for parents uh, as well. He, um, obviously, like I said earlier, he had a unique relationship uh, growing up with with his own father. Um, he again was sort of pushed into this legal career, and when Saint Alphonsus um, w- let him know that he wanted to become a priest. Um, his father basically locked him in his room, told him, I don't want to see you anymore. Uh, his mother was, was obviously, you know, saying, hey, you know, that's not the way to act. Um, but there was a lot of tension there. And St. Alphonsus says that parents um, have the duty to raise their children in, in the faith, and not just generally, but, but as, as often as possible, every night if possible, to gather them together uh, for prayer. Um, to uh, help edify them with their spiritual uh, existence. In fact, he says a parent who um, prevents their child who, who might be interested in pursuing religious life, he says they commit a double sin, one of, one of uh, against charity and then one of uh, against piety. And he, he's mm. very um, insistent upon fathers especially because, again, uh, fathers are the head of uh, the household that they inquire uh, to what their children are up to. He says, "Do not ever let your child go to a place where um, they are, um, especially alone, 
where their virtue might be uh, um, put into peril. Uh, occasions of sin are something he talks about quite a bit about. Um, he also talks about how um, it's important for, for fathers to not leave, mothers especially, he says, he talks about mothers too. He says, mothers who allow their daughters to be around um, young men who, who, who love them, who, who have feelings for them, uh, to be alone with them, they, they sin as well. Um, they're risking their daughter's uh, chastity uh, to, for what? And so um, he, he gives other uh, pieces of advice too. Um, he says again, praying the rosary. He says, Saint Origen. He says, he says, Origen says that parents uh, will be held accountable for the sins of of their children um, if they don't raise them uh, in the faith. So he's again, he's citing somebody else, but he presents it as a view um, wow. that, is, that is important. And he says, children ultimately are like apes; they do what they see. And so when you see a father, especially observing the divine law. Uh, going to mass, not using blasphemous language, um, then then that's what the children are going to do as well. So it, it, parents have the duty. Uh, I argue in the book personally. I, I comment on this. I say, you know, why are 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 parents today, you know, putting into their children's lives, you know, video games, sports teams, Disney characters, when they should be reading to them the lives of the saints, praying the rosary together, getting to know the parish priest. I mean. By the time children are 12 and 13, at the age of reason, they know more about athletes and superheroes than the names of the 12 apostles. I mean, uh, so I think San Alfonsus would, would agree with that. That you know, one, one thing for me personally, if you had to ask me, I'm not a parent, but I think it's uh, probably not wise to have um, a television in the home, or at least cable television. I mean, movies, you know, that's okay if, it, if, they're, if they're good movies. Um, watch it as a family, but I think the, the risk, obviously... Uh, with all these devices and screens, is there occasions of sin, and and Saint Alphonsus says parents have to to limit that and 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 really attack that, so children can have a chance at being called to a, vo a vocation. Saint Alphonsus actually predicts; he says one out of every three has a vocation. That's what he says. So say that again, you know, Stephen. Say that again. Saint Alphonsus says one out of every three children um, have. A vocation. He believes that. So you know, when that's not happening, we see in the church today how few wow. vocations One there out are. Of three. Something is going on. So let's contemplate that for a minute, uh, Lesser. What's that do to the dynamics, the economics, the uh, of society? One out of three children have a vocation. That's so. You're saying, Stephen, to the priesthood or the religious life? Is that? Oh, to to well, yeah, to, to either to to pursue. To pursue uh, poly life. Poly that, that really changes the dynamics of the, the whole conversation of, of the numbers of people society. praying is a, a religious praying would be so much higher. The number, the sacraments would be so many more. Wow. Think of our schools. Think of our, our Catholic schools. Think of our. Um, wow. That is just incredible. One out of three. What was the context of his comment? Do you recall, Stephen? Uh, so I, I don't recall exactly if it was a bigger commentary on uh, the family or religious life, but um, I found it as an isolated statement, so um, I'd have to look more into exactly what he was getting with that. But um, I mean, he himself came from a large family. He had he was you know one of eight, and that was fairly normal back then. And I think you know today, how many parents and people do you know? Unfortunately, they have two two children, and that's it. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost like we're living in such a way as 
to almost um, intentionally deny vocations, uh, sadly. The thing that keeps coming to my mind as we're talking here is the lex orandi, lex credendi, the law of prayers, the law of belief. And it kind of ties into what we were talking about in the first segment, or maybe it was the second, um, with the priest living as a father. You know, it, it just seems to be sort of the way that hierarchy trickles down to where the father in the home, if he's setting the standard, you see those vocations, or you would hope you would. You really took a double-edged sword to society when you uh, started cutting movies, television, and I think television's on uh, on the wane, but certainly mobile devices, tablets, telephones, cell phones are, are just rampant now, Stephen. Uh, so ju just when parents were starting to catch on of the evils of television, they were supplanted by by that little screen. Uh, social media. Social media. Well, I think I, I read somewhere not long ago that the screen time for um, uh, babies, you know, up to two and three years old, has two doubled in the last ten years. I think. I mean, the, the young young children. I mean, five six. I think is maybe also another separate study I saw. But parents, I think, unfortunately, are instead of spending time with their children, um, they're just putting you know a tablet in front of their face or putting it in front of a, a computer screen or television show and saying, "Here, do watch this while I go and do something else." Obviously, being a parent is is, is extremely difficult, but. Um, you know, there's so many side effects of, of doing that, Un, unintended. Sometimes other other things happen, but uh, I don't I don't think there was there was someone who told me one time it was he was a bishop. He said uh, these are the dev the devil's tabernacle, and uh, if if we don't hmm. need them in our lives, there's no reason to have them. So um, be on guard. But your your position uh, in terms of Saint Alphonsus Liguori is that um, parents are culpable in in um, not just with ignorance but for the sins of their children it by by that's what he says yes yeah that's rather an unambiguous stephen cox is our guest he's the author of the uh, wonderful book that's coming to dubuque and platteville saint alphonsus for the 21st century the handbook for holiness what's that date again lesser up in platteville we're going to be october 6th friday it's the first friday so you can get your First Friday devotion in, uh, Mass at 5 p.m., dinner at 6, and the talk will commence at 6.30. If you need confession, Father's always there a half hour before Mass. So. And you're going to bring some books with you, Stephen, for the Plantville event? Absolutely. Can't wait for it. Once you bring some, uh, bring some extra, we'll uh, have them on hand here at the radio station for those who can't make it to Plantville, and we'll do that at our um, November 2nd event when Dr. Ray Garendi is coming to Dubuque to the Grand River Center here. We'll uh, have some of your books available there, Stephen. i got to get to a chapter here, uh, when you, and I haven't read your book. I, I confess that, Stephen, so I appreciate the cliff notes that you sent out. And uh, item 15 is just haunting me when you sent this over this morning. Talk, you talk about a chapter in your book where St. Alphonsus, also known as the Fons, believes God sets a limit of sins for each person and how the death of a sinner is terrible. Uh, and you talk more about that. Go, th this is a concept not, not widely talked about, if ever talked about, Steve. That's right. Yeah, when I, again, when I first came across this, I was uh, 
floored by it, and, and really it made me appreciate more the mercy of God. I mean, just, just think for a quick second, by the way. You know, how many sins have I committed in my life? Is it 5,000? Is it 10,000? Is it, is it 100,000? I mean, think about that. Um, and you, you have to literally go back and say, okay, how long have I been on this planet for? Mm-hmm. How long have I mm-hmm. had, have I been a, of the age of reason? How many times did I do this a week, that a week? And you add it all up. And St. Alphonsus says, this is what God judges us on. It's not on how long we live. It's on, it's on the severity of our sins. And if we're abusing his mercy, um, St. Alphonsus says, God has patience and waits for the sinner but when the day arrives for the measure of his sins to be filled up, he will wait for him no longer and chastise him. And he says, he says this is, I think, the, the most important quote. The devil may tell you that it matters not whether it be ten or eleven times, but know that wicked enemy deceives you. The sin which he is tempting you to commit will increase the load of your guilt. It may decide the balance of divine justice against you, and you may be condemned for it, to the torments of hell for committing it. And so he draws this very stark line. And, you know, for some that, that might be harsh. Um, you know, I thought God is all merciful. God is all loving. But St. Alphonsus says God is not mocked. And he, he has to be uh, fair to himself uh, for what he is. He's perfection itself. And he he says, uh, St. Alphonsus, he goes on by saying, um, if we continually turn our back on God, how can we expect God to be liberal to, to us if we are ungenerous to him? And I make the point in, in, the, in the book that, you know, marriage is a two-way street. Um, husband, um, mm-hmm. you know, does, does things for, for his spouse and, 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 and the wife, uh, you know, maybe she, she wants to cook dinner for the evening. Um, God is the same way. Um, he loves it when we do acts of charity, acts of mercy, and pray to him. He, he, he has feelings. We can offend God. Um, we can't just think it's all, all one way. We're, we can just go on sinning and, and that's it. Um, St. Alphonsus says, um, God does abandon or leaves the soul that turns its back on him to its own devices. He takes away the hedge of, of holy fear, he says. And it, it becomes clear, as St. Alphonsus says, um, sinning he makes the comparison that in, in the Gospel of Matthew, when Christ arrives to Jerusalem, he says to the, to the apostles, go and fetch me the donkey, and the donkey's tied to a rope. A sinner, for St. Alphonsus, is the donkey who's tied to the rope, but can't become untethered from that, and so he can't help Christ in his redemptive mission. And so a, a, a sinner is stubborn. They, they, they're blinded by their sins. And so when, uh, to your second question, Tom, um, about the death of a sinner, St. Alphonsus says, rarely ever, ever uh, is a sinner who's lived their life in sin going to convert on their deathbed. How a person lives is how they die. And in those moments, the sinner will say, oh, this, this illness, this, um, this situation I'm in, it'll just pass. They've all passed before in my life. I'll just, again, beg for, for mercy. Um, St. Alphonsus says, no. Uh, God does not promise sinners who've done that throughout their whole life that mercy in that moment. He does He does say throughout life, St. Alphonsus, that, that God offers these olive branches. He wants us to come back to, to him. But in those final moments, if we do not repent, um, we will be tortured by demons who, who, 
who will say, and, and St. Alphonsus says in those moments, that person will, will hear their taunts, they will, they will be um, frightened, they, will, they, they won't even be able to fathom what they're getting into because they will realize the time they wasted. St. Alphonsus talks a lot about time and uh, how time is a treasure in this world to, to offer penances. And um, the, the sinner at the end of their life will realize my time is up, I've wasted it, what have I done? It's a, it's, 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 it's a terrifying moment to avoid. St. Alphonsus says, advises, go to confession this very day. He says you do not know when you may have crossed that threshold of your sins that God has allotted to you. And you know, I, just reflecting on that, it's um, extremely powerful, very sobering. And I think, again, it's a, it's a sign of how much God loves us, I think, is that he wants us to get to confession and to avoid that terrible ending so how does of our life. How does um, and it's wonderful. How does confession fit into that? Because I'm thinking one of the things you said that was haunting was the abuse of mercy. And with the, the idea of original sin, like in my own spiritual struggles, it's, uh, I go to confession frequently and um, I don't want that to be abuse. I'm looking for the graces to not sin anymore, right? So yes. um, wh- where does confession play in with the abuse of mercy and this sort of this tallying? It's kind of like weighing of the scales is sort of the way it seems you're going sure. with this. But. You got 60 seconds, Stephen. Yeah, so, so we have to, when, when we go to confession, actually try to amend our lives, and we have to have a firm amendment, a firm, firm purpose of amendment, and priests can actually withhold confession. Um, St. Alphonsus does clarify, however, that original sin makes all of us um, fall at some point. We cannot avoid it. But the point is that we have to get back up, and we can't fall into despair uh, as St. Alphonsus, or sorry, Saint Alphonsus uh, Judas did uh, after he betrayed our Lord. He fell into despair and committed suicide. So St. Alphonsus does say... Um, communion, going to the sacraments, as long as we're continually getting ourselves back up, putting ourselves into God's hands, especially Mary's hands, he says, if we're having problems with certain sins, look to Mary, um, and she will help us overcome that. Do not be discouraged, um, but, you know, you have to talk to your priest, too, to say, hey, you know, what, what's going on here? And he's going to be the one to say, well, I can absolve you this time, or maybe not next time. I know St. Um, Padre Pio did that at certain times, that I won't, I won't forgive you. Um, but mm, it, yeah. it's it's ultimately God does love us and wants to pardon us. But if it's intentional and 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 you know it depends on how we're we're handling that. Um, that's really the the crux of it. So do not despair. Continue going on. Um, venial sins are venial sins. Um, original sin is difficult to overcome. Everyone will have venial sins, but um, we have to continue to, to to get on and to not. He says to not dwell on our past sins. To dwell on a past sin is an act of pride. He says, if you've fallen, move on, go forward, and continue to live in, in God's graces, and go to confession when you can, and don't don't worry about it, because you're still alive. God loves you. He wants to forgive you. Or as they say downtown, buck up, Bucky. <laughs> Keep on moving. Our guest is Stephen Cox. He's going to be in the Dubuque area, up in Plantville. What's the date again? October 6th, first Friday. First Friday, October 6th, University of Wisconsin, Plantville, St. Augustine's Parish. His book is St. Alphonsus for the 21st Century, the Handbook to Holiness. There's going to be books there, and we're going to have some books uh, at our event in November on the 2nd, but uh, how do you order a book? Is there um, online ordering, Stephen, if people are outside of those two opportunities? 
Yeah, so the book's uh, on Amazon through St. Peter's Press. It's actually uh, a company that I own. And uh, you can Google um, or their search just St. Alphonsus for the 21st century, 2-1, so 21st century. Very good. Or you can search my name, uh, Stephen Cox. It's K-O-K-X. Our favorite radio station, K-O-K-X, <laughs> indeed. All right, Stephen, thank you so much. We're going to see you Friday, October 6th. We're going to end now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, Father and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Thank you to our sponsor, Hot Works, on Holiday Drive in Dubuque. See you all next week. We love you.